Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. And to those watching online, good morning. For those who I do not know, my name is Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Vision. And as always, it's a privilege to be able to open up God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. So typically, when I travel, I have a routine. If you travel a lot, you probably have your own routine. But I have a routine every single time I travel. I'll pull up to the airport, I will park my car, I'll get my bag out of my trunk, I will put my book bag on, and the very next thing that I will do is I will put on my headphones. Now, you might be wondering, okay, that sounds pretty normal, but let me tell you the reasons why I put on my headphones. The first reason is I do like music, and I like listening to music. But the second reason is to let everybody in the airport know that I do not want to talk to you. (laughs) And this is the universal sign of, I don't care about your dog Fluffy or your cat Whiskers. I just want to just be and leave me alone. Now, some of you right now are probably surprised. You're like, but you're a pastor. I'm still in process. Everyone be reminded of that. So I will walk through the airport, and the only time that I will engage with people, at least I try to only engage with people when they're wearing a badge. And so when I come to you and you're wearing a badge, I will remove one ear. I won't even take my headphones off because I also still want you to know that I'm listening but not really listening. And only the reason I'm listening to you is because you can take me to the secret place and do mean things to me. And so I will listen to you. So I'll walk through the terminal, I have my bag and ready to do whatever it is. I'll get on the plane and I love my headphones on the plane because when people look at you, you don't really have to talk to them. You're just like, yeah, you just use symbols. Like, yeah, you're fine. Don't sit in the middle, right? You try to convey all of these things. And then there are times where people will look at you and they'll be like, and you're like, But they want to engage in you. And so I had done this for years and years and years. And some time ago, I was doing what I normally do, had my headphones on. And sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't pay attention to my headphones and the fact that I don't want to talk. He doesn't really care. And so I was sitting on the plane, and this is what I kind of heard. And I'm listening. Probably Backstreet Boys. I wanted that way. You know, just in my own world. Then the Holy Spirit again. I was like, okay, I guess I can't ignore the Holy Spirit, really. And so I said, what? And the Holy Spirit was like, hey. <laughs> I was like, hey. He's like, hey, um, I know you are going to go preach the gospel somewhere. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm trying to prepare my heart. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's good. Um, and I know you have an appointment, you know, to, to go share this gospel. Um, but I just want to remind you that... Um, I want to give you an opportunity to share the gospel along the way, too. Huh? And the Holy Spirit's good at repeating himself. (laughs) Like, hey, I just want you to know that maybe I have an appointment for you before you get to your appointment. Because I know you're going somewhere to preach the gospel, but maybe along the way there are people that might need to, you know, have an encounter with this thing called the gospel. And y'all, I wish I could tell you that I was like, oh, you're right, Father. You lead me so well. But I kind of got mad too. I was like, but I'm going, 
I'm always available for people. Sometimes I get tired of people. Sometimes I just want to sit on the plane and not talk to you. And the Holy Spirit, and the only way the Holy Spirit could do it, he'd be like, hmm, I hear you. <laughs> but the thing is, like, here's the trump card every single time. Well, you know, Jesus stepped out of heaven. He made himself available to you even though you didn't deserve it. And how do you argue with that, people? Like, you've got no play. You're like, well, that's true. Okay. But it's hard to be available. But here's the thing. As we dive in this today, we're going to see why it's important as a neighbor and to reflect Jesus, it's important to be available. And here's the truth. We had a Savior who made himself available and accessible to us. So that is why we make ourselves available. And over this journey in this series, we've been talking about all different ways that we are we best reflect being neighborly, which honestly what we're talking about is how can we best reflect being like Jesus? That first week we talked about being bold and we saw the story of these friends that cut open the roof so that their friend could have an experience with Jesus. Jesus was bold in the fact that he didn't wait for us to take a step towards him, but he stepped out of glory and made a way where there was no way. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus was aware. He saw Zacchaeus and he ate a meal with Zacchaeus, even though Zacchaeus was the least likeliest of people that you would want to eat a meal with. But what does Jesus do? He goes to the least likeliest of people and meets them there. And then last week, to be really, really honest with you, I did not like the message. I was like, Pastor Brady, please stop talking to me. What do you mean, be humble? I don't want to be humble. Because in my life, I want the world to revolve around me, and everybody else seems to disagree that it should. (laughs) But the problem is, and I'm exposed to this evidence of this Savior King who stepped out of glory and who put his crown down and picked up a towel and washed sandal feet. I have no argument. If the King of Kings is willing to do that, then I'm also called to do the exact same thing thing. So sometimes these truths are hard and sometimes they're really, really refining. But I promise you, if we are willing to lean in, if we're willing to reflect what's in front of us, we're willing to be like Jesus and accept his invitation, I'm telling you, he will do something with that step of obedience more than we could ever hope or imagine. So over the next few moments, as we dive into God's word, and maybe some of the truths that we will be exposed to today might be a little difficult, here's what I want to encourage you not to do. Don't build a defense. Don't put a wall up. Don't go, hey, they, this is for somebody else. No, I think we're all going to be exposed to the word today, and it has something for us. So today, if you would, just allow your heart to receive whatever is true today so that God could grow that into some fruit and evidence of the work that he is doing within our lives. So I invite you right where you are. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you that you are at work in this place. Thank you that you came to the least likeliest of people and surrendered your life so that we could be a part of your story, so that we could sit at your table. And so, Father, may we not take that lightly. 
So, Father, over the next few moments, may we be open to whatever it is you have for us. May we be willing to take whatever it is the step you want us to take. And, Father, may we not just be hearers of this word, but may we also be doers of the word as well. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And, Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. One of my favorite Disney series is Toy Story. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what the Toy Story is. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and judging you at the same time. But Toy Story tells the story of this kid named Andy, and he has this incredible group of toys that come to life and go on all kinds of adventures. And we see over Andy's life that these toys have had an amazing impact, that these toys were made available to Andy, and they really had an impact on his life. And in Toy Story 3, the one that came out a few years ago, Toy Story 4 just recently came out, but in Toy Story 3, Andy is going off to college. If you're a parent in here and you have a kid going off to college, beware of watching Toy Story 3 because it will have you all up in your feelings, okay? So in Toy Story 3, Andy is preparing to go to school. And before he goes to school, he's going to do something that sets us up well to see the story that we're going to find in Acts chapter 3. He is going to make available something that was made available to him. So check out this scene. The ghosts are throwing pies. Blah, blah, blah. Mom? Andy? Hi. Wow, look at you. <laughs> I hear you're off to college. Yeah, right now, actually. So what can we do for you? Uh... I have some toys here. Ooh, you hear that, Bonnie? So you're Bonnie? I'm Andy. Someone told me you're really good with toys. These are mine, but I'm going away now. So I need someone really special to play with them. This is Jessie the roughest, toughest cowgirl in the whole West. She loves critters, but none more than her best pal, Bullseye. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> Here. Y'all, even though I've seen that clip a lot of times this morning, Still gets a brother. <laughs> Andy is making available to Bonnie what was made available to him. He's passing it on. He's not telling Bonnie what she has to do with this gift. He's just giving the gift. He is making available what was made available to him. And we're going to see this in Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Peter and John, they have seen God do some amazing things. They saw their friend and their savior overcome death. Jesus ascends and then he sends the Holy Spirit upon them at Pentecost to fill with them, to indwell them, to give them power, to lead them, to convict them, to lead them into their next steps. And so these people at the establishment of this early church, they were called the followers of the way. They're seeing God do amazing things and Peter and John because they have been changed by what God has done, are going out and they're allowing this change to motivate their next steps. 
And so Acts chapter 3, we're going to get some clues on how we are called to navigate this being available by looking at the life of Peter and John. So if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever it is you use, turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to dive in at verse 1. It says this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So Peter and John grew up in the Jewish tradition. They grew up going to the temple. They grew up as a part of their everyday lives, but they have this encounter with Jesus, but yet they are still kind of following the footsteps of their Jewish tradition. They did not have to go to the temple. They recognized that Jesus was really the way, the truth, and the life. But yet they went to the temple not because they wanted to get something, but because they had something. See, Peter and John placed themselves in an available position. They were willing. They placed themselves in an available position. Another way of saying this is they took the beats off. They allowed themselves to be used however it is God decided to use them. They knew that they weren't responsible for the outcome, but they knew that they were responsible from their posture. They knew that if they had a willing posture, then maybe, just maybe, God would use that and do something that only he could do. So they put themselves in an available position. Verse number two. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Here's a guy that every day of his life was the same old thing. Because he couldn't walk, he depended on others to bring him to a place where he possibly could make a living and get some money just by begging. Everyone that looked at this guy would have seen him as a hopeless case. They would have written him off. And what we're going to see and what I love about the Lord is there is no such thing in the economy of God as a hopeless case. There is no one too far gone. There is no sin too great that grace cannot reach them right where they are. And so maybe for some of us, we have viewed ourselves as a hopeless case. Know that in the economy of God, you are not a hopeless case. There is no such thing as a hopeless case in the economy of God. So here's this guy outside the temple gate called Beautiful, begging every single day. Verse number three. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So this beggar who was here every single day, see Peter and John coming to the beautiful gate, going to the temple, and he asked them for something. Here's something we have to be reminded of. All of our neighbors need something. Everybody needs something. How do I know that? Because I need something. Everybody else, everybody is in need of something. And here's the bottom line. Here's what I love that is, it's level playing ground at the foot of the cross. Everyone is in need of a savior. We cannot pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We cannot solve our own problems because we are not able to. We cannot pay the debt that we owe. We all need someone. And that someone is Jesus who paid the debt on our behalf. We are all in need of of something, and this guy is showing his cards and going, listen, I need some help, I need some money to provide for myself to eat. All of our neighbors have a need, and so do we. Verse number four. 
Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter does something that is very bold. He looks at the very guy that everybody else was trying to ignore. He made eye contact with the guy that everybody else would avoid eye contact with. And I know the position that Peter has been in because there have been people that I have seen in need that I will not make eye contact with. Why? Because if I don't truly look at you, then in my head, I'm not responsible for doing anything about your circumstance or your situations. So I will avoid eye contact because in my mind, in my economy, if I don't see you, then you're not there. And you might be different. That might not be the way that you operate. But for me, sometimes I will avoid eye contact. Why would Peter and John look at this guy and see this guy? Why would they not look through him, past him, over him? Why would they look directly at this guy? And the reason I believe is because they had been seen. They were able to see the man because they had been seen. Seen by who? They were seen by Jesus. Jesus didn't view these two guys as an interruption. He didn't view these guys as something that just bothered him. He saw these guys and he gave them inherent worth because he looked upon them. He didn't go, you know what, I'm just going to avoid you. No, Jesus saw them. And because they had been seen, they were able to see. And Peter and John could have made the same excuses that we can make. Well, I'm busy. If I give him money, the next time I see him, he'll just want more money. If I stop and engage with him, then I'll have to stop and engage with all the people that are begging, all the people that are in need of something. But for some reason, Peter and John were willing to see this guy because they had been seen and they were able to lean in. They could have said to themselves, well, I can't help everybody, so I'm not going to help anybody. No, they went, you know what? I can help this one person, and so let me help them. Andy Stanley has a quote that I don't really like very much, but I'm going to share it with you. Here's the quote. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Because if we all did for one what we wish we could do for everyone, it might change the world. But certainly, it would change one person's world. It may even change your world. Here's what's true. If you want to get what everyone else has, just do what everybody else is doing. But if you want something different, then maybe it's time to walk a different way, engage in a different way, and to accept the invitation that Jesus is giving you. No, we can't do for everyone, but we can do for the one what we wish we could do for everyone. Verse number six. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. We have seen this over the course of these narratives, is that Jesus... By using a temporary fix, he displays an eternal solution. So Jesus will heal a physical ailment in order to reveal what he has done spiritually. 
So here's Jesus, and Peter and John are just like, okay, I'm willing. I will look at this guy. I'm able to be used. I will be obedient. And what does God do? God does the heavy lifting. Reminder, God always does the heavy lifting. Always does the heavy lifting. Like, Jesus is the one who was able to do this, not Peter and John. Peter and John were mere men, but yet filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in obedience, God took their obedience and he did the heavy lifting. And here is a guy who was a hopeless case that gets up and starts walking because of what Jesus did. Jesus is revealing, listen, I know he's healed outwardly, but really I've healed him inwardly, and that's the most important thing. And I love that Peter goes, listen, I do not have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. If you have Jesus, you have something to offer. Let's not move too quickly past this. I want you to hear this again. If you have Jesus, you have something to offer. What I'm really good at is telling Jesus all the reasons why he should not use me. I am really good at reminding Jesus of how broken I am. And the thing I keep hearing back from Jesus is he goes, good, because I'm an expert at using broken things to display my glory. The good news is, Nick, you can keep telling me your resume, and you can keep telling me all the reasons why I shouldn't love you, why I shouldn't use you, but I want you to know that I was fully aware and I stepped out of glory anyways. See, I think for some of us, instead of telling God our resume, we just need to look at his. And maybe, just maybe, as we look at what God has done and his work that he's already displayed, we go, you know what? Even though I'm a broken thing, you are in the business of using broken vessels in great ways. And so, Lord, use me. If you have Jesus, you have something to offer. Maybe it's time for us to stop telling God why we can't be used and just believe him and step. Jesus, I believe what you have done, the completed work that you've done in my life, and because I believe you, I'm gonna let that be motivation for my feet to walk out this truth. You have something to offer. The gospel is good news, everybody. I think sometimes we forget that the gospel is good news because we believe the lie that the enemy tells us. They don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that. Wasn't it good news for you? Like, think about that. When you heard that there was this king that put down his crown, stepped out of glory, surrendered his life, three days later, Mike dropped on death and got up, and he did that so that you could be a part of his family, that was good news. Even in the clip when Bonnie receives those toys, she didn't hit the toys out of Andy's hand and be like, you better go away from here. She didn't do that. She accepted it. Why? Because it was good news. You have something to offer, and it's the good news of Jesus. Mr. Rogers says this, the neighbors of neighbors says this. It's not so much what we have in this life that matters. It's what we do with what we have. It's not so much what we have in this life that matters. It's what we do with what we have. Verse 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Obedience will always yield far more than what we expect. Here's what I love about Jesus. He's not just someone who adds. He's a multiplier. 
So what does that mean? That means that whatever we are willing to surrender to him, he will use far greater than we could ever hope or imagine. He will always take our obedience and do far more than we could do with it ourselves. You want to see your time get used well? Surrender it to Jesus. You want to see your money be stewarded in the best way? Surrender it to Jesus. Some of us got uncomfortable with that, but like, listen, you had me at time, but money, you better back up off me. But I'm just telling you, I have learned that Jesus is able to do more with what I surrender to him than I could do myself. And so these two guys, Peter and John, are like, listen, Jesus, I will give you my time. I will give you my energy. I will give you my effort. And what does he do? He takes a man who was lame and he makes him to walk. What? He takes a guy who was lame and allows him to walk to explain his eternal solution. Verse number nine. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's just pause. Could you imagine All these people had saw this guy. Let's call him Bob. Bob outside the gate. Bob the beggar. Kind of like Bob the builder, but different, all right? Bob the beggar is outside the gate. He's always begging. Everyone has ridden him off. Then all of a sudden, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter and John have an encounter with this guy, and he gets up, everybody. A guy who has never gotten up before gets up and starts praising God and singing praises to the king for what the king has done. Could you imagine the scene when he walked into the temple? Oh, whoa. Isn't that Bob? What is Bob doing praising Jesus? What is Bob doing leaping and dancing? Doesn't Bob know that his identity is the lame guy? Who begs for money? See, what they don't understand is Bob's gotten a new identity. Bob has been changed by the power of Jesus. And so Bob is not walking in an old identity. He is embracing the new identity that he has been given. And so these people are in awe. It says a wonder filled them. How could something like this happen? What has happened? And everyone took notice because here's what's true. Being neighborly attracts attention. Why? Because not everybody is neighborly. I don't know if you realize that or not. But not everybody is trying to put your needs ahead of their needs. And so when you come in contact with that, you're like, what is wrong with you? Like, think about it. Think about when you go to a restaurant and the people are nice to you. Like, you pull up to the drive-thru window and they're like, you know what? Thank you. It's my pleasure. You're like, oh, it is your pleasure. Why does that stand out to us? Because that is not how everybody navigates this world. And so when you see someone who is being neighborly, it attracts attention. Because that's not how everybody is operating. We get an opportunity to be salt and light. Sometimes, just by being available, changes the narrative for people. They're like, what? You were available? You didn't run into your house before you saw me? What's up with that? Being neighborly attracts attention. So the other day, yesterday, we were driving home. We went to the Braves game on Friday. We're driving home on Saturday. And, you know, whenever I'm on the road, I sometimes don't fully walk into my calling and identity in Christ. I sometimes am a little fleshy, Um, just full disclosure. And so as I'm driving, the thing that happens whenever you're about to preach a message, the Lord allows the message to read you. 
And I don't really like that part, but it's just kind of part of it. And so a lot of times when I'm communicating, the Lord is, I'm just sharing what I've been walking through. And so as I'm driving on the road, the Holy Spirit was like, hey, Nick, I want you to do something different. I want you to be nice to people on the road. <laughs> and so we were driving. We got, we got outside of South Pittsburgh, and there was a wreck. And so there was one lane. Traffic moved to one lane, and I picked the right lane. And I was like, ha-ha, suckers, I picked the right lane. You did it. But I'm, I'm driving, and I decided through the power of the Holy Spirit to do something I don't normally do. Let people in front of me. I did. I know some of y'all are like, for real? I know, right? You know, instead of getting there 30 seconds ahead of when I would have gotten there, I let them get in front of me. Yeah, y'all felt that. Okay, so, and what was crazy was I would be like, and people would be like, and then you, yes, you get in front of me, hurry up, right? And I'm letting people in, and they don't know what to do with it. They're almost reluctant to receive it. They're like, Okay, and they kind of inch in front of you like, for reals? You're not going to try to hit me? For real? Why? Because that is not the normal posture of people, y'all. But yet, when we step into this invitation to be neighborly, it does attract attention not just to us, but to our king. Why? Because we're reflecting what the king did. He was neighborly to us even when we were the enemies of himself. He loved us in spite of ourselves. And so he reached down to us. And I'm telling you, there's something so good about the fact that while yet we were still a sinner, Jesus gave his life for us. You go, man, I want some of that. I want to be with that kind of a king. I want to walk with that kind of a king. I want to dine at his table because he has done it differently. I want some of that. And this is what it means to be salt and light. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're going, okay, Nick, I hear you. Be available. What does that look like practically? When you walk away from here today, how do you walk out being available? I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to give you three things. This is not like all the things you can do to be available. There are three things for me that have spoken very loudly to me. So the first thing in order to be available that the Lord has invited us to do, and this is, here it is, hang up and hang out. You might be saying, what does that even mean? Put your phone down. Let me say it again because y'all didn't hear me. Put your phone down. And I get it, y'all. You're like, oh, but... I'm going to miss out on something. Listen, I struggle with the fear of missing out as well. I feel like if I'm not on social media or something, I'm going to miss out on what's going on in the world. And so what I will do is I will sacrifice missing what's going on in front of me so that I don't miss what's going on online. And just lately, the Lord is going, hey, Nick, maybe the people in front of you are the people you need to pay the most attention to. I don't like that. There are times when I look at how much time I've been on my screen and I'll try to make excuses. Well, my kids have been playing on my phone. The majority of that is me. A lot of the times I won't hang up and hang out because I feel like I'm going to miss something and I think I'm far more important than I actually am. 
And here's the other thing. If I'm going to be really transparent with you, like sometimes when someone will text me or someone needs something, it feels good to me. Like, man, someone just texted me and said, oh, Nick, good job. I love that, y'all. I love the affirmation from people because when I'm hanging up and hanging out at my house, typically people don't stand and give me a standing ovation at my house. When I clean out the dishwasher or load the dishwasher, my wife typically is like, praise God, I am blessed among women. That's not what happens. When I took my kids in the bed at nighttime, they don't wake up in the morning and wait, Father, thank you for tucking me in and reading me a story last night. It meant the world to me. You are blessed among fathers. That's not what happens. But can I just tell you, I'm beginning to learn what my chief callings in life are. My first chief calling is to be a son of the risen king. Second is to be the husband to my wife because God has blessed me with her. Thirdly, is to be a father to these three kids that call me daddy. No one else gets that title from those kids. Nobody else. But sometimes... I will sacrifice what others can do for what only I can do. And sometimes I will put all these things that are going on around me above what God has placed in front of me. Maybe, just maybe, the most important people that God is calling you to love and be neighborly to are those that are sitting in front of you. Second thing, linger a little longer. What does that mean? It means you probably shouldn't close your garage door before you get out of your car. I hear people do that. You probably shouldn't look out the window when your neighbor is not outside and then go get the mail. You probably should just linger a little longer because hear me, sometimes it's about the interruption, everybody. Sometimes those obstacles or things that get in our way are really opportunities that the Lord wants to leverage for his kingdom. And we can miss out on an opportunity that God has placed for us because we're moving too quickly. Linger a little longer. And the last thing is this very simple. Slow down. Let me say it again. Slow down. Have you noticed that Jesus is never in a hurry. And sometimes that bothers people around Jesus. Hey, Jesus, if you had been here, then my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. But see, Jesus wasn't just about the destination. He was also about the journey. Jesus was never in a hurry. He always walked. He always embraced the journey. And you know what I'm learning is that the faster you run, the more you miss out on. You don't even notice the journey. And I think about it. If Jesus had run anywhere, he would have missed out on some divine opportunities that he had with people. The lady who reached out and touched the hem of his robe. If he had been running to the next thing, she wouldn't have had an opportunity to reach out and touch him because it would have been moving too quickly. Slow down. There's a quote by a pastor named John Mark Comer, and he says this. Jesus has invited us to a 3.5 mile per hour pace with him. This is the average speed of walking for humans. 
Jesus has invited you and I to be available and to walk with him. To not move too quickly, to not stay stationary, but to walk with Jesus. And we see this in the beginning of this narrative in, G in, in Genesis. What does God do with Adam and Eve? He walks in the cool of the day with them. And he has invited us to the same thing. But sometimes for us, we have to make ourselves available to go on a walk with him. I don't know what your next step is today. But I do know that everybody has a next step. So maybe for you is to accept this invitation, this availability of the king and say, you know what? I accept the completed work on a cross that you have offered for me and that you've invited me to take. I accept the grace that you're offering, even though I'm undeserving of it. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe the next step is just to go a little slower. Maybe it's to linger a little longer. Maybe it's just not to be on your phone so much and hang up and hang out. Whatever your step is, I pray that you will take it. Right where you are, I invite you to bow your heads. Like I said earlier, maybe you're sitting in here and you have not yet accepted the invitation from the king to dine at his table. And maybe right here, right now in this moment, if you could say something like this, Jesus, I don't understand it all. But the best way I know how I accept your completed work on the cross. You were perfect. That means you never messed up. And you surrendered your life on a cross to win me back because that was a debt I owed but I could not pay. Jesus, I accept the fact that three days later you got up and you reign over death. And because of your completed work and if I accept what you have done, I get to reign over death as well. And so, Jesus, I say yes to you. If you prayed something like that, on the authority of God's word, it says you will be saved. Maybe you're in here and you know you're moving too fast. Maybe the step you take is a slower one. Maybe the step you take is just being available for whatever it is that God's been prompting you with. He's been trying to get your attention with. Maybe today is the day where you say yes. Whatever step it is that we take, I pray that we will step. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you for modeling how to live this life. Father, may we walk in your footsteps. May we reflect what we sit in front of. And may you use us far greater than we could ever hope or imagine. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.